This is Faster Forward from Northern Trust Asset Servicing, where we explore stories, insights, and lessons learned from leaders and innovators that are driving transformation across their industries. This is Faster Forward from Northern Trust Asset Servicing. In this podcast, we explore stories, insights, and lessons learned from leaders and innovators who are driving transformation across their industries. I'm Patrice Sakora. And joining me for this episode of Faster Forward is Ant Stevens, executive sponsor for the Northern Trust Carbon Ecosystem. Now, Ant is here to talk about the Northern Trust Carbo Ecosystem, which is a new, exciting digital initiative that directly connects project developers or groups who work to remove greenhouse gases from the environment or avoid the emission of the gases into the environment with institutional buyers to agree terms and transact voluntary carbon credits. Ant will show how this initiative is helping his organization and the voluntary carbon credit industry move faster forward through digital innovation. But before we move into the discussion on digital assets and digital innovation, Ant, tell us a little bit about yourself and the path you took to your current role at Northern Trust. Hi, thanks for having me. So I've been in Northern Trust for just over 12 years now. I started within the performance and risk group in London, looking after our asset manager clients. And over the last few years have moved uh, more into a product role. So building products for our pension funds and asset manager clients. And most recently working within our digital assets and markets group, working with Justin Chapman and his team, looking at new technologies, new digital technologies, uh, the digitalization of traditional assets, and then building products that will support the bank uh, in sort of future future support of our clients. And how did you get into carbon ecosystem? Well, that seems to be a little bit outside the box. A little bit for, uh, for all of them, but actually it's, it's still a digital asset. Carbon is, can, be, can be digitalized in the same way of any other asset. The reason we were looking at carbon specifically is we'd been spending a bit of time within our group looking at uh, climate change and the impacts of climate change and how project developers, so that the groups that capture carbon dioxide and lock it away um, from the atmosphere, had been trying to raise funds to be able to build these projects out, had been able to, had been trying to then sell their credits to institutions that need access to them. So when you actually look at it, it looks very similar to most mm. other financial markets. It's an asset that needs to be purchased and sold and then that needs to be managed. And so when, when we looked at carbon, it sort of didn't look too different from what we do today. And it's rather come to the forefront, at least in the last year or so, with all the weather changes that we've had. So tell me a bit about the current environment with corporations and organizations taking action finally, finally, to reduce carbon footprint and why it's come to the forefront. Yeah, so good question. And this really is where we started our journey. Mm. So most people have heard now, and, and there's still a few that haven't, but most have heard now about uh, the COP process that the, UN, the United Nations runs around climate change, around the impact of greenhouse gases on our environment. And we've lived through this for a number of generations where we've been looking at things like CFC gases in, in refrigeration, which was causing a hole in the ozone layer, and action was taken to mitigate those things. Now, with the generation of greenhouse gases, a lot of companies and individuals are now starting to take their own action around understanding their own carbon footprints. So what greenhouse gases do their day-to-day -day life generate? And we're starting to see that people are understanding, both in their own personal lives and within their work lives, 
that the use of, say, flights to get around is going to generate a, a, a greenhouse gas footprint. Now, what we're not saying is that people shouldn't take flights, but what we're saying is they should understand the impact of those flights. And is there another way to travel that's got a reduced mm. greenhouse gas emission? So the first place that we started was trying to help people understand how to calculate their footprints. Now, we don't do that, but there's lots of companies out there that do. So as an individual, you can calculate your own carbon footprint. You can see where that carbon comes from, and you can make your own choices in your day-to-day -day life to do things differently that will reduce your carbon output. So we're seeing it today with people deciding to use bicycles rather than using cars for short journeys. It reduces the, the carbon output and actually makes your, you know, your life slightly better because you're doing more exercise. <laughs> Corporates are doing exactly the same thing. They're looking at the greenhouse gas emissions of running their buildings, their staff getting to work, their business itself, you know, their, their production lines. And they're trying to look at those to say, well, actually, how do I cut those down? There's financial benefits to do it. Use less electricity, use technology that allows you to reduce the amount of electricity to run a building. The knock-on impact is you're saving money from using less electricity and you're also reducing your carbon footprint. So the world was getting to a point where these decisions were becoming part of normal everyday life. All right. Well, before we go any further, let's talk about voluntary carbon credit. Explain what that is because it's going to come into the conversation as we go go further. Uh, why would investors want to purchase one of these? Yeah, so that the market has been historically something called the compliance or the regulated market. So in, just after Kyoto, so the Kyoto Protocol, countries were certainly westernized countries, you know, were trying to work out how to cut their, their emissions as a country. And so compliance carbon credits came out and, and were, be, were actively traded. They're cap and trade markets. So that's where a country like America or the UK will say, right, this year as a country, we will not generate more than X greenhouse gas. Next year, we'll ratchet that down and we'll produce slightly less greenhouse gas. The year after, we'll ratchet that down again. So the compliance market was born and that allowed countries to then start to ratchet down the amount of greenhouse gases they produced. Certain companies couldn't reduce their greenhouse gases, whereas others could. So they allowed a mechanism where you could transact carbon credits, compliance credits between a company that couldn't reduce its emissions and a company that can. And so in effect, if you were a company that could reduce your emissions, you could sell your excess credits and make a profit and then hmm. use that money to reinvest in your business and try and reduce your footprint even more. So the compliance market has been out there for an, an awful long time, and that's running across a number of, of countries. The voluntary market is allowing individual groups, companies, projects, people to start capturing CO2 themselves. So you may decide that you've got 100 acres of land and you can plant trees on that land. You can calculate the amount of CO2 that, that, that those trees capture as they grow. And then you can sell those credits to individuals or companies who want to impact their own carbon footprint. So it's a more voluntary market. It's not regulated. It's purely down to the individual or the company to decide that they want to make, they want to reduce their own carbon footprint, their own outputs of CO2 or greenhouse gases by buying in the voluntary way some carbon that's been captured by a project developer. Does the open market va value, place the value on these credits? Yeah, the value of the credits has generally come in a sort of peer-to-peer -peer way. So there is a market price. The market price 
for a ton of CO2 that's captured within, say, growing trees. So a reforestation project, maybe four, five, six dollars per ton of CO2 captured. That can go all the way up to a thousand dollars a ton if, say, you're capturing CO2 via a direct air capture plant. So the value of the credit is deemed between the project developer and the buyer. And it's depending on how long that CO2 is removed from the atmosphere for. So the longer that the CO2 is removed from the atmosphere and the longer it's locked away. So a direct air capture plant captures CO2 in a chemical formula. It ca captures it in a chemical sorbent, puts that CO2 into a liquid form and pumps it underground. And it's stored underground for thousands and thousands of years, whereas a tree could burn down. So the value of the voluntary credit is really dependent on whether it's versus an avoidance versus a removal. So am I avoiding generating carbon dioxide or am I physically removing it? So the value of that voluntary credit is generally based on the longevity and the type of carbon or greenhouse gas that's removed and how long it's locked away from. So the, the idea is to remove CO2 from the atmosphere for thousands of years those types of projects are really quite expensive to run right now. And so the value of that, that credit is higher. All right. You mentioned buyers, you mentioned sellers. Explain those. But first, explain how the Northern Trust Carbon Ecosystems digital carbon credit platform works. And then who's doing the buying, who's doing the selling? Yeah, good. So this is, a, this is really about transparency. And so in, in, a, in a lot of the voluntary market, it's very difficult to understand the detail as to the mathematics as to how that carbon dioxide has been captured and whether and how long it's really locked away for. So what we're trying to do with our digital platform is to make the information available to the buyers, which is really at this point, it's institutions. It's, you know, we can buy our own carbon offsets and retire them against our own footprint. You can do that today. But Northern is focusing on the institutional market to provide a platform that's safe and secure and transparent. So they can log into our platform and they can see the project developers. They can understand the documentation from those project developers and compare and contrast them against different project developers. So they can look at reforestation projects and they can see multiple reforestation projects and they can understand how they're different from each other. There's co-benefits for certain projects. So some projects are capturing CO2, but they're also providing biodiversity or mm. Um, providing support for the local population. So it's important to understand the different co-benefits that can also come. So our platform is designed to make it as easy as possible for buyers and sellers to share information with each other so they understand the project itself and how that project is capturing carbon dioxide. The rest of the application is trying to make sure that we can automate the end-to-end -end life cycle of the carbon credit so that when it's captured, we can capture that in a digital format. So when one ton of CO2 is captured by, for example, a direct air capture plant and it's pumped underground, we can see that it's been pumped underground. We can capture that. We can create a ton on our platform as a digital token. We can then manage the life cycle of that token between the project who's captured it and the buyer who wants to buy it. And then we can show that it's retired only the once. So we're stopping um, double counting. We're providing transparency. Very importantly, because we're a bank and we do this every day, some of these transactions are for millions and millions of dollars. So they're going through our secure banking network. The tokens and the cash move at exactly the same time. 
So there's no settlement risk involved and we can move the cash from the buyer's account into the project developer's account and move the tokens at the same time. The existing market is generally run on a, a much different and less, I would say, secure and transparent mechanism. So we're adding in what I would say is bank grade technology into an existing but but not very technically forward marketplace. Tell me a little bit more about the the carbon removal project developers you chose to work with. Yeah, so we've been very lucky at the start of this project that we've been working with some some very, very good project developers. So a project developer is basically a company who has been set up to remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. And we've been working with three different participants to help us through the process. So the first is a company called Go Balance. They are a reef, they are a forest protection business in Brazil. They look after 1.4 million hectares of land in in a very what I would say is is a, is a part of the rainforest which is under threat of being of being cut down. Mm-hmm. It's on a main road, so the chance of logging is very high. The chance of fires also high because of the, the people passing through. So this project protects that rainforest and uses the money that it generates from selling its carbon credits to enhance the life of the indigenous population that live there. They provide um, additional services around um, fire, you know, to stop fire breaking out, fire brigades. They've put in solar panels, they've put in fresh water. And so they're, they're using the funds to give back to the indigenous population to ensure that they have enough money that they are not tempted to then cut the trees down to use it for either grazing land or to sell the timber so if you don't put the money back into that indigenous population it would be tempted to use the land for other things and we want to keep it as a as a rainforest the second project we worked with is a company called regen 3 based up in vancouver they reprocess used oil so instead of having to dig up new oil from the ground and use it we can reprocess old oil so that's what i would call an avoidance credit but it means that instead of having to dig up oil, we can just reprocess oil. So they're a company that's been set up to reprocess oil to stop you having to dig up new oil. Um, the third company we're working with was a large direct air capture business. Um, they're setting up a number of projects around the world at the moment, and they are going to be million ton per annum capturing of carbon dioxide and storing that carbon dioxide in um, old oil fields for thousands of years so three very different projects from forest protection oil reprocessing and then large-scale carbon removal from the atmosphere so it gave us a really good scope of projects to work with and a good understanding of how those different projects work in real life and the value of their credits is very different from project to project you mentioned how uh, technology is enhancing the transparency and the control of the carbon credit story here. Uh, how will Northern Trust clients be able to receive these enhancements? Are they available to the clients as it stands now? Yeah, so our project is just going through the final stages of moving into production. So the code is built, the product itself is built and is in our production environment. We just haven't yet exposed it to our clients. So over the next few months, we're going to be doing a number of um, individual transactions between project developers who we've talked about previously and their buyers. So they've already sort of matched up. They've already got buyers who want to use their, who want to buy their credits and use our platform to transact because it provides them 
the safety and the security and the transparency of understanding where their credit is at any point in time and being able to use our banking network to transfer. So at the back end of 2023, we will be doing a number of large specific single transactions between buyers and sellers to work through the platform to ensure that it all does what it's supposed to do. And then we're starting to add on enhancements over the next two to three years. We'll start adding on additional capability and functionality depending on which direction the product goes in. So we've built a product that's suitable to market to go to market. It's scalable and it can manage the transactions that we're looking at putting on at the moment. And that's going to start to be rolled out for clients to access over the next 12 to 18 months. That's fantastic. Now, for you, what's the most exciting thing about this initiative? What makes it different? So I've got a I've got a fantastic job and I'm very lucky that I do what I do. Like you said right at the beginning, carbon as a sort of asset class doesn't seem a normal thing that Northern Trust would would look after. However, it is pretty much what our clients are going to be looking for in the future. They already are. They're already starting to calculate their scope, you know, their scopes, which allows them to understand their carbon footprints. They're already starting to make decisions around being net zero by 2030, 2040, 2050. They're making decisions about cutting their carbon dioxide, their greenhouse gas outputs, and what they can't cut about making the purchase of carbon credits. So we are right in the beginning of where our clients need us to be. And as, a, as an innovation guy, that's sort of where I want to be. I want to make sure that the product is ready for when the client needs it. And we want to be ready a bit early so that we've, we can tell the story, we can then work them through that process. So from an innovation team point of view, it's perfect for where we want to be. And it's an asset class that we are seeing more and more interest in from clients who want to buy and, and then retire against their own footprints. But also we're seeing fund structures appear where the funds are being invested into carbon removal projects and the dividends are being paid in carbon credits. And we think that our platform can help manage those life cycles as well. So for an innovation guy, it's a pretty cool place to be right at the beginning of a market. From me personally, it's a really interesting subject area. I'm a biologist by trade with a bit of chemistry, by oh, microbiology. Wow. So I got my old chemistry books out and I started reading about chemical solvents and how CO2 can be attracted and oyster shells and how they grow and capture calcium carbonates and lots of technologies out there that I'm really quite interested in that are developing to be able to remove CO2 from the atmosphere or use removed CO2 and lock it away. So from, for somebody that likes to learn new things, this has been a super interesting project to work on. Do you see this technology, this, this buying and selling becoming commonplace? I do. The, the thing that we've got to remember is that ideally we want everybody to remove as much carbon from their footprint as possible. So this isn't about creating a market to allow people to offset without first of all thinking about removal and reduction. The desire for the platform is to make the ability for clients to get access to good quality carbon removal credits in the voluntary market. But really what we want people to do is understand their carbon footprint and make decisions to reduce that carbon footprint. What they can't reduce, that's when they should be coming to the platform and looking for those carbon credits to be able to offset against what they can't reduce. So, yes, I think that the market will start to become more active in this space. We're seeing the amount of carbon credits being traded increasing. The consultants feel that the market is going to move to a certain size, which is going to be enormous compared to what it is today. 
But the thing we got to remember, first of all, is this is about the removal of as much carbon from each people's footprint as possible. And the purchase of a carbon credit should be the last thing that they think about because they can't reduce their footprint any further. And we are that piece of technology that will allow clients to get access to those credits. And actually, the money that is generated from those credits goes back to the project developers to remove more CO2 from the atmosphere. So it's a good place for us to be. We're not saying that this is the, the thing that everyone should do. We're saying remove as much CO2 from your from your business as you can. This is what is now available for you to then net off against what's remaining. And that was a great wrap up there. I was going to ask you for final thoughts. I think you just gave them all. But if there is any something else here that you'd like to add, please feel free. It's a very exciting market. I think we're going to see an awful lot of interest in this market over the next few years. There's going to be some people that there's always naysayers around carbon removals. What we're trying to do is put as much transparency into this market as possible, provide as much information as possible for people to make those decisions. And ideally, reduce your footprints first. What you can't reduce, we're here to be able to supply the credits for those those last bits of carbon that you can't get out of your um, your annual footprint. Wonderfully insightful, and thank you so much. Thank okay. you, thank you so much for being on the podcast for sharing details about the voluntary carbon credit ecosystem, Northern Trust's successful milestone of completing fully automated transactions on the platform, and the significant impact that this initiative can have on the industry. And thank you for listening to Faster Forward from Northern Trust Asset Servicing. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Subscribe to Faster Forward from your favorite podcast app to be automatically notified of new episodes. This audio podcast is being provided for informational and educational purposes only and is not meant to be taken as investment advice or a recommendation of any specific investment product or strategy. The information does not take your financial situation, investment objective, or risk tolerance into consideration. Listeners, including professionals, should under no circumstances rely upon this information as a substitute for their own research or for obtaining specific legal, investment, accounting, or tax advice from their own counsel. Northern Trust Corporation, Head Office 50 South LaSalle Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60603. USA Incorporated with limited liability in the U.S. 